Welcome to Collected Knowledge. It's Luna and this is Drea. What's up? And today we are going to be joined by Melanie Wiggins. But before we introduce Melanie, Drea, how are you today? And who are you today? <laughs> well, two questions at once. Uh-huh. Today, I am so glad we're about to hit the weekend. It has been a long week. Um, you know, I always, I was mentally prepared for Darktober and I got through it unscathed. Yeah, I got it through it unscathed, Mm -hmm. but then I had Darktober in one day (laughs) in November. I said, wait a minute. I thought we were done. Oh wait, we're in November now. Yeah, literally. I said, I thought I was done with this (laughs) and it gave me like flashbacks the first year teaching. It was a really bad day. Oh, And and like, but like. I'm seeing my new environment and how they handle things mm-hmm. and the much support and like love I received. Mm-hmm. So I had to like go through my first year teaching for months at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, like having like restorative circles and having like conversations and transparent conversations and like making goals and next steps and being in community just with all levels of the school, which is so beautiful. So I can come on a Friday exhausted, but like, very hopeful and feeling more secure. Mm-hmm. Who am I today? I am, I am, today my reflection is I am unraveling a love ethic. Um, I saw a TikTok. <laughs> we were talking about some of the, the cons of like me being like, I feel like I can be very independent. Mm-hmm. And I've had a history of like self-soothing when I'm like emotionally distressed, mm-hmm. I'll soothe myself. And I, I'll, I'm, and so I was like, oh, they're calling that out. Like that's not the desire. And um, wait, wait, wait. so self-soothing I, is not good? Or is yeah, not- wait, so th- this is the idea, right? I was wait, like, what was the TikTok? Like, yeah. I can soothe myself, but they're like, it can be a response to like not having someone who can soothe you. Oh. And so instead of relying on other people, relying on self, really like breaks up community. It breaks up bonds. It doesn't build that emotional connection to people that you should have emotional connection to mm-hmm. if I'm always self-soothing. So like, I definitely think there's like times when it's appropriate, mm-hmm. but like if I always did it mm-hmm. in my most distressing moments, I'm self-soothing that builds up walls and like stop mm-hmm. connection for me. So I've been unpacking that this week. And with that incident in my classroom this week, I was like, I had a cognizant moment. I was like, I can reward kids who can self-soothe mm-hmm. or I can set up spaces where we're communi- soothing ourselves in a community. Mm-hmm. community. And, if, and I can ask students, like, if you need more support in, in community for this, I can be there for you. A classmate can be there for you. Someone in leadership can be there for you. And like, I remember I dismissed my kids to lunch and two kids were still so upset. They couldn't go. And I said, hey, we can, I, I sat with them both in one hand. I, I, I rubbed their back and we were just sad together. And we, we, we were soothing ourselves in community. Mm. We took a couple minutes to do that because I needed a couple minutes. Yeah. And then, you know, I, I, I modeled for them like, okay, how do we get through this? And we were breathing deep together and we were getting ready to talk, talk a little bit after soothing ourselves in the community. And I was like, this is beautiful. This is another layer of love that I'm learning in my third year teaching is like, 
I can't always reward kids who can stop crying by themselves. They need someone. Mm-hmm. I've been doing that a lot, but I didn't do it as intentionally as I did this week. So that's who I am today. I'm, I'm uncovering that love ethic. What does it mean to like work and like build and like really expand my definition and role and support and love? Luna, how are you? (laughs) Who are you? (laughs) Wow, that's so introspective. Um, And I'm really proud that you're doing that in your classroom and for yourself and inspired by TikTok. It's all in the community, (laughs) in yourself, in your classroom and in TikTok and um yeah that's really cool to hear Hmm. you know how am I the question like how are you is so is so difficult because not because it's like oh I'm feeling all these things but it's it's just like the reactive response is I'm good you know it's minimized into just good how are you good you know and so to to have to um actually explain the good whether it be good or not is interesting. Um, so I'm going to leave that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to leave that um, to just a, a thinking moment. Um, but who am I today? Well, I'm triple vaxxed. Got that boost, boost, boost. Got that boost, boost. It's, so the booster shot, um, I was talking to the the pharmacist the technician who was giving it to me and she was saying that it's like half the dosage of the og the og vax um and so i was anticipating so so, okay so the first time i the first time i had like a sore arm and then the second time i i've had this 24-hour body ache flu-like symptoms you know and so the third time i was like okay it's not gonna be that funny on maybe it's only half that it was a combination of both experiences, first and second shot, half and halved. <laughs> so it was like, oh, I, I feel so, so like 24 hours of just like aches, but not as painful. And then I also had a painful arm, but it wasn't as painful. Um, so I feel like I've been just, just like healing, like healing body and like um, building my immune system this week. Um, so that's who I am. I'm also getting into, <laughs> I'm a vexed. <laughs> that's how I define myself. Um, I'm also getting into sketching. It was interesting when you're talking about self-soothing. Yeah, self-soothing. I'm like, and I'm like, oh, I love the concept of self-soothing because right now my self-soothing is, is just like being alone and, and trying to be consistent every day in sketching um, and practicing craft. Um, so... Yeah, I'm sketching. I also am someone with eczema. I went to the dermatologist and and took a half day off. So this week's been great because we didn't have election day. You know, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have school for election day. I know you did. I know I did. Come to the public school system. Um, and, and I also had, yeah, doctor's appointment yesterday. And I already knew I had eczema, but they just gave me more ointment and creams in steroids to help me out because it just reacts when I'm under a lot of stress or going through something. It's really interesting how my body reacts and cries for help in ways um, mm. that I cannot tame. It's like, I know I need, I'm like, I know I need to help you. It's like how also having a student 
my own body I'm like I need to help her but I don't know how to help her also I'm just like feel really incapable of helping so this is one way it's like reaching out to big pharma and be like all right treat me (laughs) big pharma (laughs) um but it was also really interesting because the same day when I came back to school for the afternoon class and I had a girl itching in the same area that I was itching for my eczema because eczema is very common for children (laughs) so it's kind of like oh yeah it's very you know the kids have it's very common like okay you know like I guess adults can also have it so I'm in that category of having (laughs) eczema as an adult um but so I can relate to the kids in this this way too um because she was scratching I was like hey and she's like oh and you know like almost in tears because she was so in so much in pain of of just like itching itchiness I'm like yo but like to me I was really excited that she had eczema because then I had eczema so that was like (laughs) coming from like yo we can relate like look at my arms like it's in the same exact area and we have the same scars on our arms from itching but but for her she's like no it's just itching you know I felt bad so I was like stop itching it um but you know in the moment yeah, it's so difficult to totally understand but today she was like yeah she was like missed it out it's not itchy anymore so then we got to talk about how we both had eczema and that was pretty cool um so yeah I am skin issues <laughs> um and <laughs> I really hope that every time we do this the intros of who am I it will continue to evolve, but I'm really hoping the sketching continues because that's something I want to keep consistent. Just like I know, I, know I know you already started off like really good, and if you keep it up like you're going to, you're gonna be so amazing. Like Lou is so talented, everybody, so talented. Oh. <laughs> now they're gonna expect something. Okay, <laughs> good thing this is a podcast, only audio, no visuals. No one will ever see my sketches. Um, and with that, shall we introduce our guest of honor? All right. So today our guest is Melanie Wiggins. As a daughter of a school psychologist and granddaughter of a teacher and principal, she often says that teaching is in her blood. She graduated from the University of Georgia in 2014 with a degree in middle grades education and then joined Teach for America, which led her to Detroit. Throughout her career in both charter and public districts, Melanie has taught third and fifth grade and currently serves as a K-5 math master teacher and teacher lead for equity at Brenda Scott Academy in Detroit Public School Community District. She has deepened her passion for education by obtaining her master's degree in urban pedagogy from the University of Michigan in 2018. In addition to her work in the classroom, Melanie serves as the Director for Equity and Social Responsibility for the Center for Success Network, a local literacy-focused nonprofit, and she is the chair of the collective in a BIPOC Black, Indigenous, people of color, educator-led organization working to ensure that every student in Detroit is receiving an education that is safe, liberatory, rigorous, and joyful. She is deeply passionate about issues of equity and justice, especially as it relates to education. So, let's listen to her. Let's throw it to you. Hi, Melanie. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the Collected Knowledge. Thanks so much for being here with us today on a Friday evening after a long. How was your day? My day was, it's so weird. 
people ask me that so often and I literally have to sit and think like, what happened today? What did I do? Yeah. What did I teach? Yeah. What did the kids say? Um, my day was good. It was good. It was okay. Relatively. Yeah. It's good. Relatively standard. Um, I'm a, like a, a master teacher in, uh, DPSCD, which does not mean that I know it all, but it does mean that half of my day I teach and the other half of the day I uh, support other teachers and meet with other teachers. And I guess what I remember is a really good conversation uh, that I had with one of the teachers that I support, just in terms of like planning and getting ready for the next unit. And uh, this person is very thoughtful, uh, very like reflective. And so I just remember like feeling like the conversation was really productive. So that feels good. Feels like I'm helping somehow. Uh, yes, you so, are. Yeah. I've always wondered what, what master teachers do. Cause I'm like, as teachers over here, <laughs> we're all day with, we're, you know, all day with the kids. So master teachers, they get the best work-life balance, but it's cool to see that you're actually like doing the work of supporting teachers in that way and having good conversations. Yeah, I really hate the name, to be quite honest. Like, I hate, yeah, I hate it. I hate it. I hate saying it, but it is what it is. Um, How would you reform the name, but still doing the same? It would make you feel better, but still doing the same. Like, collaborating teacher. Like, lead collaborating teacher or something like that. Like, it just, it gives off that vibe again that, like, you know everything. and. I absolutely do not, mm. but I can help. I can be like a thought par- thought partner. I can be a collaborator mm-hmm. uh, with other teachers, um, which I do really enjoy. It's just like, you know, troubleshooting and being helping facilitate like the sharing of ideas among other teachers. Um, so, yeah. Melanie, the humble master teacher, <laughs> just, just a teacher, a collaborative facilitator and teacher educator. <laughs> yeah, I remember when we first met you, like the summer before we started teaching and you were already doing that for us. So it's really mm-hmm. cool to see you doing that for other people too. That's very nice. Thank you. And with that, so Melanie, um, we're so happy to have you as our first um, person of interview, first, per- first person to interview, um, because you've been a really big part of our lives, especially in, in this collected knowledge and leading the collective. Um, could you tell the listeners what the collective is and what's it been like leading and, you know, growing the organization this past yeah. year during the pandemic? Of course. Um, so the collective is a uh, organization that's under the Teach for America umbrella, uh, but we exist to uh, serve uh, alumni, core members, fellows um, involved with TFA um, that are um, Black, Indigenous, or people of color. Uh, so we are. Uh, an affinity space, uh, but also an organization that's hoping to uh, be a part of the educational justice movement in the city of Detroit. Um, And so 
We do a lot of work right now. We're doing a lot of work around community building. And that was kind of our focus during the pandemic as well. It's like um, in these, these times where people are not necessarily physically together, uh, how can we uh, still like facilitate spaces for community and connection and also grieving and healing um, because any type of like strong uh, collective action like comes from some sense of, you know, community um, or connection or shared values. So that's been uh, a lot of what we've been focusing on um, over the past couple of years and um, just continuing to like look forward um, in terms of like how we can continue to, to get folks connected, grow the organization, um, and really have, you know, as much direct impact as possible as we can on, um, on students and uh, educators in Detroit um, with a, you know, specific focus on um, uh, our Black, Indigenous, and um, teachers and students of color. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, the collective is a space that it's so intentional and it really brings like that fellowship part together. I think being a teacher, like with other teachers, it helps so much because in a classroom by yourself for that many hours is overwhelming. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so talk to yeah, others about it and have that space. It's so beautiful and needed, mm -hmm. especially teachers of color where it's not the majority of the teaching workforce. Mm -hmm. Um, so Absolutely. can you tell us about your education journey and just how you've been as a student, so you, being a Detroit educator? Yeah, so starting all the way from when I was a student, um, I was a quote unquote good student. Um, and I put quotes because like, we really shouldn't be labeling students as good or bad. Um, we're not, shouldn't be placing value judgments. But what I mean by that is like, I was like a student who got good grades and, you know, I never got in trouble or anything like that. I really kind of kept to myself. Um, I was, and still am like a huge reader. I've always like loved to read, love books. So, um, I always had my nose in a book. Like I, I brought my books to lunch with me to read. Like I always had one in my like in my book bag. So when I went to my after school program, I would always be reading. Um, and for me, school was a sense of stability um, and predictability and safety, where I wasn't like always getting that um, to the degree that I like needed. I think at home, and so school always felt like comfortable for me. Um, and I like to learn. And, you know, like I said, I did well in school. Um, the social aspect, though, wasn't really there for me. And I went to my like traditional zone school um, for kindergarten through sixth grade. Um, and then when I was in uh, in sixth grade, um, my teachers like called my parents was like, we're really concerned about Melanie. Like she's doing great in school, but like she's always reading her book at lunch. Like, you know, she's not really like connecting with the other kids, blah, blah, blah. And like, I'm sitting here like, listen, I'm fine. Like, I want to read my book. Like the, the characters in my book. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> the characters in my book are like, you know, maybe more interesting than some of my classmates. Oh, and I just don't really like connect with them. And I'm, I'm like saying that in jest, but really it was just like, I, 
hadn't found like my like people or like my community or folks that I felt like I could really uh, connect with. And so, and I'm also was and still am incredibly introverted. Um, So that definitely played into it as well. So um, my parents' reaction to that was to make me apply for the um, local arts magnet school. Um, And I did not want to go like I got in, but I did not want to go like my parents basically forced me to. um, And that is like the one thing, not the one thing, but like one of the things that I'm like most grateful to my parents for um, is really pushing me to to apply and to go because like it was such an incredible experience. Um, This is going to sound cliche, but like I really did like come out of my shell um, and really found like my community, like my people. Like I think a lot of times like, you know, there's like stereotypes about like art kids and like they're weird or whatever, but really like what, what really stood out to me was like, and why I think it impacted me so much is like, it was a space where you truly could like be your authentic self. Um, be, and there was such like a variety of people there because we we're coming from all over, um, you know, my hometown. Um, you didn't have to go to, um, uh, that was the only school you could go to if you didn't go to like your traditional zone school. So there were people from all over. The school was intentionally integrated. Um, and that was really interesting. Um, but it just brought like a really unique group of students together. And we had the, that arts aspect where I was involved in the technical theater program. So I was doing all the behind the scenes stuff. So I still got to be introverted, but I also got to, you know, see a production um, from like the script all the way up to like full fruition. And like it, they took it really seriously. And so talk about like true, like authentic, transferable, like skills that you learn, like uh, working with other people and like all of the things that go into, um, you know, putting a show together or putting a concert together or whatever it is. Um, and so, yeah, it was just, it it was an incredible experience for me. And I often wonder like who I would be if I would have, you know, stayed in my zone schools all the way through, um, 12th grade. Like I can't imagine myself being the person that I am, um, now without that experience. So, um, so I had really positive experiences, um, overall with school. Um, after I graduated, I went to, I'm from Georgia. So I went to, uh, the university of Georgia PWI. Um, (laughs) it was cool. Um, it made me like, now I like college football because I went there. Um, and you know, there, there were definitely like the traditional like experiences of a lot of um you know people of color at a PWI luckily the school was big enough there were enough people that like I was able to find like my communities like within the school where I felt really um you know felt really connected um and yeah I studied education I always knew that I wanted to be a teacher 
I got when I was a kid. I got like an overhead project. Do y'all know what an overhead projector is? Oh, okay. We're born in the '90s. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah. I, I, for some reason, I feel That's like y'all are so much younger than me, but you're you're not that much younger. <laughs> so, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I got an overhead projector one year for Christmas. I got like a whiteboard. My mom would go to like church yard sales and get like the teacher's editions of uh, textbooks. And I would like teach my class. So like there was never any question in my mind at any point in my life that I um, whether or not like what I was going to do for my profession. I always knew that I wanted to be a teacher. Um, So it was just like a no brainer when I got to college. It was more so like, okay, what grade do you want to teach? Or like, what subject do you want to teach? And so, yeah, so I, you know, got my degree and I joined Teach for America, um, which is kind of strange because a lot of folks that joined TFA um, or don't already have, um, education degrees, but I was just really looking to like, kind of take a risk in my life and, uh, move somewhere that, you know, I had never been before. Um, and just kind of like not start over, but just kind of see what it's like to, to be in a new place and just kind of get myself out of my comfort zone a little bit. So that was really the appeal for me, uh, in, in joining teach for America, Um, And I wasn't, didn't quite have the guts to just completely on my own move across the country. And so I knew like with this program, like I would have, you know, a community, people that were kind of going through the same thing. So, so yeah. And then was my horrible, horrible first year of teaching all the things that I learned in my four year, four year education degree and the six (laughs) weeks of TFA training, just like completely left my brain, whatever. I don't know what happened, but it was a hot mess. Um, but I, I, institutes, I mean, that six week training is not going to really actually prepare you for like in classroom. That is true. And to be honest, like, I think a lot about like teacher preparation and like what teacher preparation programs look like and how to, how to like better design teacher preparation programs so that they do, so that teachers going into the classroom do feel really confident. Um, and I know that my experience is not like everyone else's. Like, I do know a few people, you know, who whose first year was like pretty great. Um, who? But, I want to talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> or at least I, at least I perceived that like, because the thing about teaching is like, there's so many, there's so many like nuances to the, to the, the true like craft and art that is teaching. And so there is always something to like improve and get better at. Um, But if you're not great at something like classroom management, which was my biggest struggle my first year, like it just like every day is like a shit show. (laughs) Um, I feel like so right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the thing, like, I feel like teaching is a process of like, every every year every month every day every quarter like you are just like constantly like tweaking and iterating like that's why like i really do see like teaching as a craft and like as a true art um because it is like it is it's so nuanced and it's one of those jobs where it is really hard to like study it 
um, and even do it for a short period of time and like feel like you're ready to, you know, go at it full fledged. Um, but that's kind of what happens is like you really just kind of get thrown in. Um, and I think another issue with my first year was uh, the school that I taught at my first year was uh, a charter school that had just gotten a new management company. 85% of the staff um, did not return. So it was a bunch of brand new teachers um, who had, a lot of us were from TFA. The parents didn't know who we were. The students didn't know who we were. Like there was no trust, rightfully so, um, from students or parents. Like, um, and yeah, and, and a lot of us were inexperienced as well. And like, I'm coming from Georgia. Like I knew absolutely nothing about Detroit. Absolutely nothing. I knew absolutely nothing about the community that I was teaching in. Um, and those are really important things to understand, again, to like, to be a, a quality teacher. That's another like nuance of, of what teaching is. It's not just what you're doing in the classroom, but like, what do you know about, you know, the city and the community that you're in um, and the unique needs of like the students that you have. So, um, so yeah, it was a lot of, a lot of uh, reasons why, um, you know, my first year I'd probably say is like, was one of like the hardest years of my entire life. Um, but you know, you, you, you take your summer, you go back to the drawing board, you figure out like what you need to do or like what you need to adjust and improve. And then you try again the next year and then you, the process repeats and every year like you you get a little bit better. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why I'm, I'm after eight years still in the classroom, like it's still. You can see the improvement, but there's always there's always more to go. Like there's always different ways where you can grow and push yourself. No day is going to be exactly the same. No year is going to be exactly the same. No group of students is going to be exactly the same. So it adds like a good um, challenge as well, um, and, and really, uh, you know, keeps you on your toes. So. Wow. So, oh. Okay. So when you're talking about. Um, your first year experience, you know, like all being new TFA teachers coming in, noobs coming in. And it reminded me of, have you ever watched The Replacements on Disney Channel? No, I haven't. <laughs> it's like about two orphans um, and their their parents are these like, I don't know, the mom is like a spy and the dad is this like big. Stunt devil. So, yeah, that. And and like so the, they like always leave or something I don't know but and so then it's like the orphans always call in Flinko was it like you know yeah, for a replacement of like there's there people, don't like yeah there, there are people that like do their job but like terribly so they're like we need a replacement so I'm like oh we'll call Flinko and then they get in these replacements that are like also incapable of the job <laughs> it's just what I think of yep. right when you said that I was like replacement. But yeah, look, like sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, we could go in in on like TFA and like be critical of the recruitment process and not like people coming in without any, you know, relevant connection. You know, growing up in that community. Um, but I want to backtrack and also ask you, um, 
you know, why, why did you choose Detroit? You know, all coming from all the way from Georgia and you said you want new experiences and try a new city. Why specifically did you choose Detroit and stayed in Detroit? And how did you sort of navigate that profession, you know, fresh coming out of undergrad out of state? You know, I think it speaks really to like the energy and authenticity and passion that exists like in Detroit to say that like there was no really there was no true rhyme or reason to why I chose Detroit except for I had a friend who you know we went to high school and college together he was a year older than me and so he was in Detroit. He had moved to Detroit the year before. And so I was like, okay, I know one person. And I, I think I remember like texting him be like, oh, I don't know, like where to rank these cities? Like, where should I go? You know? And of course he was like, put Detroit on there and it just ended up working out. So, um, so there was no rhyme or reason really beyond that as to why, like I ended up here. Um, but I think like, I'm, but I am still here. And that was not my plan. It was not my plan to still be here, uh, you know, eight years later. I figured I'd do my two years in the core, like maybe three, and then like move back closer to my family. Cause that was, that was another thing that made my first year so hard is, yeah, I had my community of, you know, fellow educators, but like at the time, like I didn't know them very well. Like we'd only known each other for a few months. And so not having like that deep support system was, was really challenging as well. Um, so I've definitely built that community over these past eight years, but there's just something about Detroit. And like, I could sit here and try to like put it into words, but I don't know if I could really even do it justice. Um, it is just like a very incredible place. It's a really incredible place. And like I said, like there is um, an energy here that you experience, uh, you know, just meeting the people here. I, I truly like, and especially like in the education space, like just truly met some of, you know, the most like passionate, um, driven, intelligent, people here and like the the sense of like pride and connection that they have um to Detroit is it's it's palatable um and I just didn't I, I haven't felt like yet like my work here is is done um and and I also know how important it is number one to like really get to know the place that you know, that you're working in and that you're living in. And so I had the opportunity, although this is, you know, it's not the same as living through um, history and, you know, living through certain experiences. Um, but I, I am grateful to, through my master's program, be able to learn more about the history of Detroit, the city, the history of the education system here, um, so that I'm coming in with a much different perspective um, than I was like when I first moved here, knowing absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's really important to to have that knowledge of where you are. Um, and even at a school level, even at a community, 
community level, learning kind of the history of, of, of the school that you're teaching at. Um, and I just think stability is really important um, within schools. Um, and so any school that I teach at, um, I've taught at three schools um, over my eight years and um, any school that I teach at, I, I try to make sure that I stay. If, 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 the, if the working conditions are, um, you know, palatable or if the working conditions are um, that so that I can actually like be a full human and also do my job well. So this is not like you got to stay wherever you're at for, you know, five years just because, um, because that, yeah, that's a problem. But um, if I feel like it's a good fit, um, and it's not anything too wild happening. Um, I I really do I really do try um, to to stay because it takes a long time to like I'm at my school that I've been at now for three years and I'm still just getting to know like the families and the community um, and like what the unique needs are of like our group of students. So um, so that so that takes time. Um, and again, like my school growing up, like we had, like I can still go back and visit teachers who are still like at my high school. And I think that led that um, led to a lot of like safety um, and levels of comfort um, for students within the school that, you know, you don't get when, you know, you bring in <laughs> a ton of brand new teachers that nobody knows. Yeah. So, but also um, in Detroit, like, Teachers move a lot, but also the students move a lot. And that's also been yeah. really hard. Yeah. How transient everybody is. Yeah. That's a really good point. It's a really good point. I have one more question. So, Melanie, like, what's next? What do you see for the future? What do you see, like, just for your work and non work and self and your development? That non work, that's real. That's what I see. What I see in my future is a lot of open evenings and weekends where I don't have meetings planned or things to do. Um, I am. Yeah, it, it is. It will be the journey of my lifetime to really unlearn and unpack like how much of my like self concept is wrapped up in like being busy, being productive, getting things done, making commitments, saying yes, like it is, it is, it's so bound up in like who I am or who like I want others to perceive me as being like, I don't know, like part of this is like me like unpacking this in therapy, but um it's something that's really top of mind for me. And I think especially for educators, when you do work that is so deeply connected to your values and that is truly like hard work, it's so hard to like see yourself like outside of your profession um, to whatever extent. And so that is, that's work that I'm, that I'm doing right now um, is really like just being okay with like, you know, if 
I don't meet this deadline or if I meet the deadline, but the thing is done like at 75% instead of like 100%, like, and it's just fine. Like that is okay. Like that is okay. Um, I know I have like too high standards for myself. Um, and for so long, I think I saw that as kind of like a badge of honor, like, oh yeah, like, I'm staying at school on Friday nights until 10 p.m., like getting all my copies done, like getting all my lessons done, all of this, like good for me. And it's like, no, Melanie, that's not healthy. That's not healthy. And is the quality of your, like the amount of input that I'm putting in, like, is that really like outputting into my, like the quality of my lesson or like how my students perceive me? Like, no. It is the the input is not equal to the output. And um, so that's what I'm working on personally um, is, yeah, that's what I'm working on personally. Um, and so, but professionally, what's next? Like, I'm still here. I'm still here, still teaching, still just like trying to get better every day. Um, trying to learn from, you know, my peers and, um, you know, just determining like what my role is in this like push for like liberatory education and like education justice, like in the city of Detroit, just really like finding that sweet spot, whether it's, you know, in the, in the classroom, outside of the classroom, the conversations that I'm having with um, the folks that I work with, with my, you know, school leader, um, just, you know, finding that, finding my place, um, in this movement. So that's what's next. Thank you, Melanie, for joining mm -hmm. us today. Thank y'all for really like having this idea and like bringing it to fruition. It's, it's so exciting. And I like, I can't wait to hear all the other, all the other amazing guests that y'all are going to bring on. Um, I think like this is just a beautiful way to um, to really like share stories um, and, and engage in conversation, even to the, the people that are listening. Like I'm sure they have their own reactions and um, whatever to things that I said. And so, yeah, I'm just I'm grateful to you all for um, really putting all of the time and effort into like really making this happen. So. Cheers to you all. Thank you, Melanie. Thank and you. If, if if anyone wants to reach out to you, how can they find you? Um, yeah, definitely follow the, the Detroit Collective. Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, it's uh, Incipient Epiphany, I-N-C-I-P-I-E-N-T-E-P-I-P-H-A-N-Y. I think I hopefully spelled that correctly. Um, yeah. We can tell you read by that Instagram handle. <laughs> Listen, okay, funny story behind that, actually. I, when I was, I guess when I first like joined social media, or maybe it's when I, maybe I had a blog called that first. But anyways, I was like, what should I call this? Like, and I literally just Googled like most beautiful words in the English language. And like those two words were on the list. But like incipient means like, about to like happen, like kind of like on the cusp of. And I was like, oh, I'm putting these together. Like I'm kind of like always on the cusp of like learning something new or like having this epiphany or this like level of understanding. And it just worked out. So that's beautiful. 
That is it. Yeah, that's the the weird story behind it, and it just kind of stuck. So I could see you using that on large, like on larger platforms as you build your professional and personal, you know. Yeah. I mean, when I first came up with it, I I think I was starting a blog. So I was like, this is going to be my brand. I like it. So yeah, whenever my brand like really develops, I'll I'll have the, I'll have the name. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Melanie, for joining us once again. Y'all too. Have a, enjoy your weekends. Don't work too hard. I hope you read lots of books and get into Ace of Spades. Yes, I really do need to get into it to the good stuff. It's still just intro right now. <laughs> okay. okay. Thank you. Thank you. We'll let you go. All right. Have a great one. Bye. 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 Bye.